Oh, we done made a new version of that song this morning. God bless you today. Lord, I didn't know Annette was hoarse. You did too. You did too. Bless you. Bless you. Yeah, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I appreciate the musicians. It's good to see D back. On the set, as they say. We'll be there. We'll be here. Amen. I think that sometimes we don't understand all that goes into our musical service. I want to thank y'all for 71 Sundays of support. Certainly has helped make the difference. Amen, brother. Amen. Let's go in for another one. I'm, I'm so grateful that the Lord has blessed us with the opportunity to continue coming to you in this medium. And we'll continue doing this even after we come back into a congregation of worship. Now, the virtual sanctuary will continue to be open because we've made some new friends and some new folk out there who we would not have had access to since, since this all started. That's probably a sermon in there, what good came out of COVID? Because there's some good things that have come out. You sit back and you think about the good that's come out in your own personal life. Well, some people have simply had a tough, tough period of time. Sometimes we don't know how to put those bad times together into our lives and calculate what God is trying to do for us. Sometimes we think he's picking on us, messing with us. I came today with a different perspective in this sermon series that we started last week that we entitled that we entitled New Thoughts from the Old Testament. We want to step into a second second conversation last week. I thought we had a good time talking about what God has been able to do to do for us. I thought we did good. And this year I want to go in a little different direction and ask you to turn to Jeremiah. This Sunday I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. I'm getting some information from one of my producers down here. They're trying to tell me something while I'm talking. It's always confusing to me a little bit. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. It's going to be our foundational scripture today. I know, I know you don't often get into these older, older scriptures from the Old Testament, but there's such richness in it, such richness in it. And today, I believe you're going to be blessed. Jeremiah was given these words. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Verse 2 reads, Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. Jeremiah writes in verse 3, So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. I'm going to stop right there at verse 4. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. I came to tell you today, for those of you who are sitting there wondering why things seem to just be happening in your life, I came to tell you that things don't just happen. All right? There's no such thing as happenstance. Nothing just happens. All right? God designed every individual. He designed our destinies 
and he also designed our deliverance. Thank you, brother. And the reason he was able to do it is because he is in charge. He's sovereign. How many of y'all know that God's in charge? How many of you believe that God's in charge? Yeah, he says, I can do what I want to when I want to. And I can do what I want to. Watch this now. Let's make it personal with you. I can do what I want to do with you. You can't stop me from doing anything I want to do with you because, he says, I am the potter. You are the clay. I mold you. I shape you. I break you. I remake you. I do whatever I want to do as I determine it's necessary. You got to understand and appreciate the concept of him being sovereign in order to understand his ability to do what he wants to do. Sovereignty allows God not to have to call a committee meeting in order to determine what he wants to do in your life. The writer eloquently illustrates the example of sovereignty with this very wonderful visual of a potter at the potter's wheel. The potter has the ultimate plan. In his mind, he knows what he wants the vessel to look like, what he wants the vessel to be able to do. The clay is completely at the will of the potter. Yeah, that's the W-I-L-L of the potter while it's on the W-H-E-E-L of the potter. We are at his behest, whatever he wants to do. Whatever he chooses to do is the complication. Because since we are finite beings, we don't know always what he wants us to do. The idea of God as the potter patiently and skillfully shaping the world, and not just the world, but every human being in it, to his specific desires, starts out in the creation narrative. Watch this. Walk, walk with me back to Genesis. When you look at the creation narrative, the first place you can really see God there is as the potter and us as the clay. Genesis 1 and 3 says, let there be light. Verse 6 of chapter 1, he says, let there be expansion. Watch this. And then in verse 14 of that same chapter, he says, let there be light in the expansion. He is clearly making things the way he wants to make them as he desires to make them. But down in verse 26, when he gets to his pinnacle creation, the narrative changes. And he goes from saying, let there be, to watch this, he said, let us make. Not let there be, but let us make. When he gets to the man, he doesn't say let there be man. He said, let us make man. He doesn't speak it, he performs it with us. He creates us. He molds us. And the Bible tells us there was a pattern he had in mind when he formed us. It was his image. Let us make man. Spoke the moon. Spoke the fish. Spoke the, the sun. But when he came to man, he said, let us shape him into our image. That's when the process began. God didn't just speak you into existence. He made you. You ought to say, thank you, Lord. He made you. He formed you from the dust of the earth, fashioned you and created you, and then he stepped back once he made you and was proud and said, that's good. But then we got this sin issue. After we've been made in his image, Sin came in and nested it all up. Now, can I say this? Sin had no authority to come in. We invited sin in. 
We invited sin in. We gave sin authority over our lives because we chose sin over what God said. And because of that, it changed the image that God had in mind for us because our image was never designed to carry sin. And that's why we struggle right now because we're still running around with a sinful image trying to live in a holy world. That's our struggle. You know the devil. One preacher called him like this. He said he's just a, at best, he's just an unemployed musician with the Messiah complex. And he's mad because he can't be God. He was in heaven as the head musician. Watch this now, the head musician, chief musician. But he wanted to take over heaven. His position wasn't satisfying enough. It wasn't enough that he could praise God as head musician. He wanted to be God. He didn't just play the organ. He had an organ in him. Read the scripture. Yeah. He didn't just play the drums. He was the drums. He didn't just play the song. The Bible says he was a song. But he got a little too high. And now he's not there anymore. And so the devil's design is for you in the image that God made you to follow his design and not be in heaven anymore. Yeah, misery loves company. He's trying to take as many out as he can. And so when we look at the dilemma we have, the dilemma of trying to look like our creator, but the devil's trying to get us to look like the world and look like the enemy. That's the eternal conflict that we fight. So in Jeremiah, what he says in verse 1 and 2 is he tells us there has to be some movement in order for there to be growth. Walk with me on this now. There can be no revelation until there is some migration from where you are. You can't get your future blessings at your present place. You got to move. You got to move. You want God to speak to you where you are. God is telling you the same thing he said to Jeremiah. I hope you hear me now. He said, when you get up, go down. Then I'll talk to you. Get up. Then go down. Then I'll talk to you. Arise. Get up. And as soon as you get up, go down. What are you saying, Reverend Sparks? Get up from your stagnation. Get up from the place you are, and as soon as you get up, get right back on your knees and then admit to him, Lord, I need you to help me right now. Get up from where you are, but then go down and say, Lord, I need you to help me. And he said, I want you to get up and go down to the potter's house, and when you get to the potter's house, then I'll tell you what I need you to do. I want you to know this, because it's, it's interesting, that God speaks to you that you can't get what you need from him at your house. You need to get up and go to his house. That's why it's important that this is 71 days. Because there's some things that people need spoken into them that they can't get into their house while the dog barking in the background, while their husband watching ESPN in the background, while the children are back there playing video games in the morning, God trying to speak to you, but he can't get his voice into you because there's too much background noise going on for him to talk to you. That's why we need to get you into this place so he can get in your face and tell you exactly what you want. You need to see some other folk getting messages too so you know that God is still in the message giving business. And sometimes we have too much noise going on. Well, you need to come to this, plow, this house. So my question to you, if you're wondering why things are ragged right now, are you listening to what God is saying? Or maybe I should ask you this question, who are you listening to? Is there anybody who knows that it wasn't until God brought you up out of something and then brought you down to where he could speak to you that you didn't learn how, that's when you learned how to hear from God. I know it's true of me. I know it's true of me, yeah, yeah. It was after, after I lost the job. Brought me up out of something. Look, 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 look. I was arrogant enough to think that this was it. This is my career path. This is what I got. And God had to bring me up out of that. He had to bring me out and bring me literally down 
in order for me to hear from him that that's not what I got for you. I got something else for you. Somebody else is sitting here that says after the divorce, after the sickness, after my mama died, after the dog was killed, after the enormous change in my life when he brought me out of that and I went down, then I learned how to hear from the Lord. Not while I was up. We have a hard time hearing from him when we're up. Too many things in our ear. And you can testify now because of that experience in your life that if it had not been for the Lord on your side, you don't know where you would be. So Jeremiah goes down there and he notices that when he, that the, the, the potter is making something on the wheel. The Lord didn't tell him to say anything when he went there. He said, go down to the potter's house and he will talk to you. You don't talk to him. Just watch. He wants him to see exactly how the potter operates. It's interesting that God took this tack with Jeremiah because God spoke to, Jer to Moses face to face. Face to face. He spoke to Jacob in a dream. Spoke to Daniel in the lion's den. But he speaks to Jeremiah through an illustration, through an example. You go and you just look, Jeremiah. Just look at what's happening there. You know that God can speak to you if he wants to, but that's not the example he wants Jeremiah to see. It reminds me of what he did to Jose, the prophet. We'll probably preach on that too. He said, I want you to go marry the town tramp. He said, I want you to go marry her because Israel has been tipping out on me. See, I want you to preach to Israel about how bad I feel when they go tipping out on me to other gods. He said, so I want you to let your wife, you're going to marry a woman who's going to go out and sleep with other men. Yeah, so that when you get up and go preach the next Sunday, you won't be preaching from a script. You'll be preaching from your heart because you know what it feels like for your wife to get up and go tipping on you. Just like you can know how I feel when Israel gets out, gets up and goes tipping out on me. You'll be, teeping, you'll be preaching from experience as opposed to just reading some scripture. You'll know how I feel. I don't want you to see it. He said, I want you to be it. And when you can be it, you can make the folk understand what I'm going through. Be the testimony is what God is saying. And he's saying that to Jeremiah. I want you to understand. Look at what's going on. Because there's some things you can't talk about until God lets you go through. Yeah, you, you try to give folk example on experiences you never had. Be careful when folks start giving you textbook advice when they've never lived anything, never been through anything. Because there's some variance, Reg, in reading about playing the organ and playing the organ. Yeah, there's difference in that. D and reading about playing the drums and actually playing the drums in real time. There's difference in that. And nobody who's ever sat behind the set ought to be giving you instructions. And that applies in life too. And so he says, Jeremiah, when you get there, Jeremiah, remember now, is the weeping prophet. They call him the weeping prophet. He reminded Jeremiah, sometimes you get a little attitude and you get in your feelings. He says, because one time you were preaching and you got so mad at me that you swore you'd never preach again. And I had to let you know, you're going to preach. If not, the preaching going to swell up in you like fire in your bones. God had to teach Jeremiah that he's not in charge. And that's why he's showing him, when you go there, don't say anything. Don't be the standard Jeremiah. Just watch what's happening. He said, remember now, Jeremiah, you're the same one I called from your mother's womb, and I've told you since you were here that I know I got plans for you. I know what I've designed for you. And Jeremiah, it's time for you to go and preach and tell Judah that I want them to know how it feels when they walk away from me. So go down, watch the potter, don't say nothing. And so verse 3 says, Jeremiah went down. Verse 1 and 2 says, go down. Verse 3 says, I went down. Very important reminder there. And I want to tell you something that's developed during this period of time, these 71 Sundays. We just take too long. There's no sense of urgency in doing anything. Yeah, yeah, God tells us to get up and do something, and we take our sweet little time in doing it. 
Yeah, we get there when we get there. But sometimes when God said get up, he means get up now. Get up and go down now. Go do what he tells you to do right now. Not when you get everything else out of the way. When I finish my laundry, then I'm going to go do this. No, sometimes, most times, he wants to be put first. We always put our likes and our desires first when it comes to serving him, but we want him to put us first when it comes to him blessing us. Put me at the top of your list, Lord. I know other folk might have some things they want, but I'm urgent right now. Bless me. The problem with some of us is we keep going at our own pace. And I came to tell you today, the reason why God is telling Jeremiah this and the reason why he sent me to talk to you today is because he's been preparing you. He's getting you ready for something you can't handle right now. He's getting you ready for the next phase of your life. He's getting you ready to do something that needs to be done for kingdom building and that he's identified you as being the one to do. Verse 4 says, the vessel that he made of clay spoiled or was marred or was messed up, watch this now, at the hand of the potter. So he remade it. That's a very intricate statement. Let me tell you why. Because God was the one shaping the first vessel. He was. He was almost done with it. In fact, in fact, Alvin, the vessel was so, so much finished that you could look at it and tell it was a vessel. You could tell what God intended it to be. You could recognize it. But he spots something in the vessel that he's making, that he's not happy with. Walk with me on this. The clay, if the clay had sense and could talk, would probably think it was almost finished. Just like we are. We think we're almost there. I'm at this point in my life. That's the problem with us. We get to a place in our lives where we think everything is done and we don't realize that God can remake us at any point, at any time, he wants to, not just because we think we've arrived, but it's when God says we've gotten there. So you, 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 you were in love, you picked out the house, chosen the, uh, the occupation you wanted to be in, you said, I'm here, I'm a few, way, a few years away from my dream, this is my, this, I'm living my, bless, my best life. That's what you say to yourself. And in the middle of it all, God, who is the potter, sees something going on in your life that's not beneficial to kingdom building. And he changes it all. You don't, you don't, you don't want to hear me. We don't like to get to this place in life where God changes something on us. Yeah. He said, that's something. I know you picked her, but there's something about her that won't allow her to be the one to get you there where I want you to be. And so I'm changing things in your life. I know, I know it's upsetting to you. I know it takes your life and turns it upside down because you say, I'm almost here. But God says, there's something about this situation. Well, you can't be blessed under these circumstances. Well, you can't be the blessing I want you to be. God says, you don't understand, I'm the potter. You're the clay, and I choose, even in the middle of the process, that I'm starting over. Tell your neighbor, turn to him and say, he's preparing me. Yeah. God says, I'm starting you over. What a frightening concept, that at this age, God can start me over. What a, what a, what a, what an what an awfully frightening thing to say. I've been planning, I've been working, I've been doing everything I thought was right to do, and yet God, who's in charge of my life, can take me and say, I see something I don't like. And he can start you over. But God, I'm, I'm, I'm 35, and I'm about to start over. But, but, but God, I'm 40, and I don't have anybody now and I'm about to start over, but Lord, I'm 50. My life is halfway through. I'm about to start over. Why? Because the potter says that's what happens. Because I've got something ready for you in the next phase of your life that you weren't ready for in the first phase of your life. I'm getting ready to make over your finances. I thought I was doing pretty good, God. Had my 401k, but that's not what I designed for you. I don't want you dependent on your 401k. I want you dependent on me. Yeah. 
And right now, you're too heavily dependent on the things of this world. And so I'm going to remake you. How do you do that? Watch this now. It's not the first time in the Old Testament that God has spoken to the potter's ability to do this. Isaiah 29 and 16. The writer says, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me? Can the pot say of the potter, he knows nothing? What, what do you mean, God, you don't understand what I've been going through? That's what we say, God don't understand. Why is he doing this to me? How in the world can you be, can you be that arrogant to tell God he doesn't understand what you're going through? Yeah, yeah, you know you understand because if he could pay attention to what was going on with all his other prophets, surely he knows the stuff you've been going through because he's been guiding you and he's been making you. He's been shaping you. Everything you got, I gave to you. I'm going to make it common for you now. Yeah, everything you got, he made it for you. He said, yeah, I gave you your house. I gave you your husband. I gave you your child. I gave you your sex drive. But you're the one who perverted it. And when you perverted your sex drive and turned it into something that I didn't intend for it to be, now your household is damaged by it. I gave it to you. I gave it to you. You jacked it up. And now instead of paying attention to me and doing the things I want you to do, you're doing things that don't make sense in my kingdom. I designed it for somebody who likes it just as much as you, but who was going to use it for a holy thing. Yeah, I didn't take pleasure out of it. I just took sin out of it. Don't blame me because I designed it for a person with your needs. But because you didn't wait on me to fulfill everything you needed in your household because you decided you're going to press ahead and do it yourself, now you're sitting on raggedy street. And you're mad at me telling me I don't understand what you're talking about. You don't want to understand what I'm talking about because you've been in charge, and I'm telling you right now, you've never been in charge. I've been in charge the whole time. Isaiah 45 and 9 says, Woe unto him who quarrels with his maker. To him who is but a potsherd among the potsherds on the ground. You know what that is? That's a turd on the ground. That's dung on the ground. Woe unto you. That's what you are. When God looks at you, you amount to being nothing compared to God. And yet you think you can argue with him about who you are. Does the clay say to the potter? What are you making? Jeremiah specifically said, nah, that's scripture. 45 and 9. I know you didn't think turd was in the Bible, but it is. Yeah, well, get the right edition. And Jeremiah specifically said that there's something on the clay that the potter didn't like. There are so many versions some say it's marred, marked, stained, spoiled, whatever it is, he got it almost finished. And there was something about it that he didn't like, and so he decided in mid-process, you know how it feels, some of y'all, because I'm talking to somebody in here, yeah, don't be surprised, you place all your energy, your time, your resources into something, but it doesn't continue because it's your version, and it's not his version. And that's why you get to that place after spending all that money, all that time, all those prayers. God didn't intend that for you. Not his vision. I know that's frightening. I know, I know it's frightening enough not for you to be able to say amen because you think if you say amen, you bring that on to yourself. Can I tell you, it don't matter if you say amen or not, if he want to change it. He can change it anyway. You ain't got to say amen. No, it's all up to him in the first place because he don't need your agreement to change anything. He doesn't need it. It's frightening to think that God can flip my life upside down. But when you say you're his, he's in charge. I'm in his hand. The devil trying to pollute your future. 
because he wants to take your marred history and tell you that you're not hearing from God. He wants to make you think that you're not a part of God's plan. But all you got to say to yourself and remind yourself to be convinced is remind you that I'm in God's hand and God's going to take care of me. That ought to be your consolation. Some of y'all can't sleep at night. Yeah, some of y'all back on medicine that you had stopped using. Some of y'all thinking about smoking a blunt and you had stopped smoking them a long time ago, but you're ready to go back and pick up one now. Yeah, yeah, I know the old folk call them joints, but, you know, let's bring it on forward. Yeah, yeah, if you're not going to pick up a blunt, you're going to smoke a cigarette because you're trying to calm your anxiety. Some of you gone back to drinking, some you had put down before, but you think you're going to be able to drink away your problem? I came to tell you, you can't drink away what God is trying to do for you in your life. You can't do it. Stuff you thought you had long gotten over, people you thought you had put in the past, you're trying to pull into your present. And can I tell you right now, you're not going to go forward into your future dragging yesterday behind you. It's not going to happen. Yeah, there's a reason why they're in your yesterdays. And they need to stay in your yesterdays because he's got something better for you in your tomorrows. But you need to be patient and listen to him. Something happened in your life. Somebody left you that you love. And what you don't understand is he's sovereign. He allowed it to happen. He made it happen because he's got something better for you. So let me tell you this right now. If you are living right, giving right, and walking right, then God has you locked into he's got to take care of you. Watch it now. Living right, giving right, walking right. You belong to him. Yeah, you might be walking on a rocky path right now, but you belong to him. You're not walking by yourself. He's with you. He's taking care of you. He's blessing you. He's protecting you. It might not feel real good right now. Not that he's your puppet. Not you can make him do something. Because he's sovereign. But his word says that if I am faithful, he's going to be faithful to me. And that's what you forget. You just got to be faithful because he promised that he would be faithful. You try, you, you're trying to drive yourself crazy. You, 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 you're trying to drive yourself sick. But you need to rest on God's sovereignty. Yeah, these aren't, you need to learn how to say this. Watch, watch this. Lord, these are your bills. You take care of them. I'm yours. You make it happen. See, some of us don't have faith enough to do that. Yeah, do we think we got to go out and do something? In order to make it happen, we need to say, Lord, I'm yours. And you need, you, need to, you need to take care of me. Isn't that what your children do? They don't worry about what you, how you pay the power bill. Your children don't care about how food gets in the refrigerator. No, 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 that's your responsibility. In fact, you wouldn't even demean yourself by talking to your children about how you pay the bills. Why should God talk to you about how he takes care of you? The only reason you think you can get an audience with him about that is because you think you're in charge of something. He shows you all the time, I'm sovereign. I can do whatever I want to do. Here's what you don't understand about the, about the potter and the clay. He takes the clay and he needs it. That's a process. Yeah, and then he puts it on a wheel. And watch this now. When he puts it on the wheel cast, he has one hand on the outside. And he got one hand on the inside to give it its desired form. Yeah, the desired, the hand that's on the inside is smoothing it and refining it. But at the same time, he's doing something on the inside too. Some of y'all just worried about the outside hand. But he got an inside hand that's trying to get you straight too. Yeah, yeah, see, he's got, he's got your, your, his hand on the inside of you. And the inside hand is to keep you stable. Yeah, yeah, to make enough strength in your life. He's working some things on, some kinks out on the outside so people won't see all your fragile nature. Yeah, so they won't know, oh, 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 he about to lose it. So God is working some things out on the outside. That's why he lets you get up in the morning and put your clothes on right. Yeah, so you can go to work and folk won't say, why he got his clothes on backwards? 
because God is taking care of you on the outside. But at the same time, he's got his hand on the inside, making you understand that it's tough right now, but I got you. I'm strengthening you. Yeah, that's some stuff that he sees in me that he wants to continue blessing me with. But he realizes that the fragile nature of my emotional state won't allow me to take it right now. And so he's supporting me during that time. Yeah, there's some stuff a few, a few years ago that he could have blessed me with, but he didn't because I couldn't handle it at the time. I would have drawn a good blessing into a messy situation and spoiled it. And so he didn't give it to me at that time. And so what has he done? He's humbled me while he's supporting me. But he's just getting me ready for the next blessing in my life. Matthew 6 and 33 tells us all the time, seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, I had some other stuff that I was putting before him. And now, because he's humbled me, I can pay attention to him right now. Just because I'm listening to him. And so here it is now. I, I, I look like I'm done, but there's a process that you don't want to miss now. Come on now. We're going to say this, and then we're going to get you home. There's a part of the refiner's process that you can't miss. Even though the potter is on that wheel, he's got his hand on the inside and the outside. He's shaping me. He's smoothing me. He's creating the ability for me to carry what he wants me to carry on the inside. But I got to tell you, you're not finished. You're not going to like this right now, but there's a blessing in it. You're not finished until he puts you in the oven. Don't nobody want to hear that. No, no, no. People don't want to hear that they got to go through the fire. But there's a blessing in going through the fire. The oven is a necessary process that the potter puts us all through. Any potter who is worth his salt understands the importance of putting his vessel in the fire. It doesn't matter how good you look on the outside. Till you go through that burning process, you're not a complete vessel. You say, Lord, I, I started trying to tithe last month. Or I let that relationship go that was holding me down. Or I stopped being the worst employee at work for just a little while. I'm trying to do right, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm not late every day. But there's another stage you got to go through. After he started you, and then he molded you. He saw some stuff on you that he didn't like. So he remade you. Moved some things out of your life. Put some more on that you needed. Some strength in some areas. And now you're saying what I'm going through is tough. But he said I got to finish you. And you need to shout because that means you're in the oven right now. Yeah, yeah, you said I'm going through something real bad right now. It feels bad. I don't feel good. It feels like I'm on fire. And the reason you're on fire is because he wants you to be on fire. Why? Well, the first reason you need to be there is because fire removes impurities from your life. Oh, yeah, fire burns off impurities in your life. That's some stuff in you that you don't want nobody else to know. Like, you can be rotten sometimes. You can be awful in your thinking sometimes, and God wants to burn that out. Yeah, yeah, you don't always cuss folk out, but you always cuss inside. They don't always hear it, but it's in you. You think like that, and God wants to burn that out of you. You don't always have to open your mouth to be vile. Sometimes your thinking is just out of place. You can just be nasty sometimes. In fact, some folks say it like this, she can be nice nasty. Yeah, nice nasty. Some impure things you got in you. And God sees it. Why? Because he's the potter. Oh, oh, he's the potter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes you don't know. You think you look off real quick, but you don't. You don't. You don't look quick enough. And somebody saw how you were acting. Yeah, and when you come out like that after he's been refining you, guess what? It's going to tear down your witness. He wants you to have a pure witness. He wants when people see you, they get the real thing, not the thing you want them to see, but what's on the inside needs to come on the outside. Some of y'all are okay with still fronting for a little while. Yeah, can I tell you right now, folk know when you're fronting. They, they, they know it because you can't hold it long enough. Yeah, you can only act for a little while. <laughs> yeah, but when it's the real you, 
You can sustain that. And God knows that he loves you too much to leave you where you are. He loves you too much to let that impurity, that junk stay in you. You can't worship that kind of junk off. Can I tell you? You can't come up in here and lift holy hands and then go out and have hellish thoughts. You can't do that. No, no, no. You can't do it. You can't worship it off. I don't care how loud you sing, how strong you clap. When you got hell in you, you just got hell in you. And you need to have it burned off you. Yeah, yeah, you can't tap it off. You can't shout it and dance it off. No, no, the Lord has to get that up out of you. Got to take you through the oven. Got to burn some stuff off. Yeah, because otherwise you'd never let it go. Why? Because in your mind it's working for you. It's working for you. The only problem is it ain't working for the potter. That's why he changes it. You never leave that dude alone on your own. No, 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 no. Oh, no. oh he almost drives you crazy. You never leave him alone. That's why God burned him off of you. Never leave that sister alone. She almost got attacked you in public all the time. Not till the Lord burned off you. That's how it works. Not only does fire remove impurities, sometimes impurities are folks. Yeah, not just attitudes. Sometimes it's people who make your life impure. But not only does the Lord allow fire to remove impurities, the Lord also knows that fire hardens the vessel. Oh yeah, it hardens the vessel. So when God takes you to the place that he wants you, and then the devil comes at you, yeah, once the Lord has let you go through the fire, you can tell the devil, you're going to have to come at me harder than that now. Why? Because he's hardened me. The Lord has given me strength to be able to handle things. Watch this. Let me make it sense to you. Some people used to say dumb stuff to you and it would, it would make you start crying. Anybody listening to it would know it was silly. But it would tear your world up just because they said something to you. But God can put you through a process that makes you able to take stuff from folk. Friends walk away from you and used to think it was the end of the world because they didn't want to be your friend no more. God has now taught you when he's hardened you that there's some folk who don't need to be in your life. There's some folk who don't deserve to be in your life. Let them keep walking. If they walk away, open the door for them. Yeah, pay for their ticket to leave. Don't keep begging folk back into your life who don't do you any good. Why? Because they don't need to be there in order for you to be successful. It's a new day and a new season. Stop trying to drag all of yesterday into your tomorrows. I've been saying that. You used to cry yourself to sleep. It's a new day now. Why? Because he's hardened you, and now you can go to sleep in the confidence that God has blessed you. Not only that, he's keeping you. Yeah, you think it's just a child that can say, now I lay me down to sleep? No, it's a confident grown person who can say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's confidence. We teach a child to say it, but you learn how to appreciate it when you get older. That's not a child's prayer. That's a mature believer's prayer. And that's all because he's hardened you and he's got you there. He also knows this, that when he puts you through the fire, fire beautifies the vessel. Oh, it beautifies it. You've been through something. Yeah, it looked like you've been through something. You, you, you thought you were cute before. Thought you looked good. But you ain't seen the finished product. Yeah, 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 yeah. They always walk around looking at these 70 and 80-year-old black women talking about black don't crack. What they don't understand is they've been through the fire. And that's why they glowing when they're 70 and 80 years old. It ain't, they ain't got to put, no, put no Mary Kay, none of that makeup on. They got natural, God-burned-on beauty. Yeah, God has put a glow on them. Yeah, they don't need none of that stuff. I don't care what all these new, new you know, I don't care if Rihanna bring out something, it don't matter. What they need is life glow is what they got. Life glow got them looking beautiful. And no matter how you go out, you can't buy it in a container what they got on them. You can't duplicate the color. That's a bronze you'll never find. Won't be there. You got to see the finished product. They leave here looking better than when they came. Skin smoother. 
laying in the casket saying, oh my Lord, how beautiful is she? And that's why, because of God blessed them. Yeah. Somehow along the way they found out that my ladder would be greater than what I had before. I, I've been through it. Through the fire. You know that girl been singing that song for a long time. Yeah, but it means something for real. To the limit. To the wall. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you, you concentrate on the wrong thing. You spend so much time worrying on your shape. But you didn't think about the shape of your life. Yeah, yeah, you just want to walk and look good. You didn't want your walk to be good. Yeah, that's all. That's all. You wanted somebody to pay attention to you when you were walking. Yeah, yeah. But ain't nothing more beautiful than a confident, confident, confident person. I ain't just talking about women. I'm talking about men, too. We walk around looking swole. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's some stuff that went down in my life that was ugly. That's some stuff that went down in my life that was ugly. Mama messed me up. Mama would never tell me I was pretty. Yeah, mama wouldn't even give me the confidence of it. Why? Because mama didn't feel pretty. Yeah, but she never gave me the satisfaction of saying that you're beautiful today, and that's gotten in my psyche. Yeah, as a little girl, destroyed my self-esteem because mama never lifted me up and said I was pretty. I didn't think I was pretty. And so when guys came to me, I never thought they were serious. You know, I thought they were playing with me. Why? You can't convince me I'm pretty if I don't think so myself. It doesn't matter what you say. Daddy did something that made me feel awful because he wanted a boy. And so he always treated me like one. All his shortcomings laid on my shoulder. Because of all that, I just don't feel like I should. But lately, God's been burning that out of me. Yeah. He's been burning that, that feeling out of me, that self-esteem problem out of me. And now, now I got into the place, somebody, somebody ought to shout because there's some people who can say, I like myself. You don't think that's a big thing, but that's a big thing for somebody who never liked themselves. They can say, I like myself. Why? Because God loves me. And if God created me, then I ought to like what God created. Yeah, now I'm full of myself. I'm happy to be me right now. And that's what God wanted to burn off you. Yeah, I realize it took years to get to that place, but he did it. Yeah, I know he had to take you through a marriage, a marriage that wouldn't happen for you to get to a place where you could like yourself, but you're here. You're here and he likes you. Yeah, and you can tell somebody now that if you don't like me for who God created me to be, then I don't need you to be in my life. You can tell somebody that. Why? Because he has made me know what beauty is. And then lastly, not only, not only y'all, not only does fire come in and remove the impurities, not only does it harden me, not only does it identify the beauty in my life. Can I tell you this? Fire lightens the vessel. Oh, yeah, it lightens the vessel. You ever seen clay go in and then come out of a fire? Yeah, I didn't have no light in me, somebody says. I didn't even light myself. But after I went down to the potter and he worked on me, I'm brighter now. I'm happy now. You don't understand. I see life differently. I don't walk around with a dark cloud over my head. The potter worked on me. I'm, I'm, my mama said that I've changed. My mama said that I, I have a different attitude about life now. And my friend been asking me why I'm happy all the time. Why? Because God has removed a burden from me. God has taken off of me the notion that, I, that I'm not doing well, that I'm not a good person. God has taken that away from me, and because of that, I'm lighter than I used to be. And so if you look at it from a medical, metaphorical sense, Jeremiah writes to us, and he tells us that the will is life, the potter is God, the clay is me and you, and the oven represents the trials that we've been through. And I came to tell you that God uses this to propel us. He can change us at any time he wants us to. The everyday ups and downs uh, uh, we go through, we're in the oven of life. And when I didn't get my way, I need to start looking at it a little bit more maturely and say, God, is still working on me. Yeah, yeah. That's some other things I could have told you, but time won't permit today. I could have talked to you about the tools he uses. 
Yeah, because the potter uses tools as well. He don't just use his hands, he uses tools, but the main tool he uses, guys, is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can come in and refine us in ways that nothing else could. And that's what God is using to shape me. The Spirit of God is causing me to be a different person than I would have been under the circumstances. And that's why you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He can get you where he needs to be. God has been preparing me for everything in my life. The songwriter said it best. And you've heard it so many times, but you need to start hearing it with different ears. It said, he's preparing me for something that I cannot handle right now. He's making me ready. Why? Because he cares for me. Come on, Reg. He, he, he's preparing me. Because he cares for me. Somebody needed to hear this message today. He's maturing me. He's arranging me. He's rearranging me. He's training me. He's tuning me, purging me, pruning me. Why? Because he loves me. How much did he love me? He loved me enough to be able to send the greatest tool I'll ever have. The greatest tool he could ever give me was his son, Jesus. And he sent his son, Jesus, to be an overlay to put over my life so I can see how I'm supposed to be. Here's the perfect example of a vessel that he created. And you need to be trying to be like him every day, to walk like him and talk like him and love like him and be like him. The potter can do the same thing for you. Sometimes people will never read Jeremiah. Can I tell you this? And I'm sitting down. They'll never see the analogy, the, the metaphor of the potter and the potter's will. The only example of what God is they'll see will be you. You need to be the greatest example for them. You need to be the vessel they see, the pure and unchaste vessel. You need to be the one helping. They're looking at you. They're reading you. You're the epistle in their life. Let them read you. Let God keep using you. 71 Sundays, God has been blessing us. I can tell you this right now. 20 years ago when I started preaching, I never thought that I would be here still standing talking to somebody about how good can, God can be. But I came to tell you, he's been blessing me. He's been taking care of me. He's been pruning me. He's been taking all the stuff out of me that doesn't work for kingdom building. And I came to let you know, the pot is still at work right now. God bless you today. I look forward to seeing you next time at the potter's house. God bless you. Take care.